Continuing from Luke 1. And Mary said, My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. For the Holy One has looked with favor on the lowliness of this servant. Surely from now all generations will call me blessed, for the Mighty One has done great things for me, and holy is God's name. Holy mercy is for those who revere God from generation to generation. Yahweh has shown the strength with God's arm and scattered the proud in the imagination of their hearts. The Almighty has brought down the powerful from their thrones and lifted up the lowly. The Holy One has filled the hungry with good things and sent the rich empty away. The Almighty has brought down the powerful from their thrones, lifted up the lowly. I just said that. God has helped God's servant Israel in remembrance of holy mercy according to the promises made to our ancestors, to Abraham and Sarah, and to their descendants forever. What is the most revolutionary thing that you have either heard, spoken, seen, or imagined? Was it a a prophetic word, a piece of art, a selfless act of human compassion? Revolution is about transformation, conversion, reversal, change, reform. Revolution is about turning, turning toward truth, turning toward that which is core and essential, turning toward God. Today is the fourth and final Sunday of Advent. And these past weeks, we have been pondering the implications of the power of looking, our theme this season. Our visual focus, the observer is no longer there. He is, or she is, or it is on your bulletin. And just a reminder of where that's from. It's from the Omnivolt over the Tympanon, which is the stone carving of the Gothic Cathedral as you enter in through the main doors. And there are 16 of them. They're only in that church. There are no other place in the world. And there's 16 of them that are peeling the stone away, observing. Scholars are totally confused why they're there. It's in the Abbey Church of St. Foy and the little village of Conk in the Landredoc region of France. This observer has invited us these few weeks to consider what it means to look with the eyes of hope and to see with the eyes of faith. And today, our lens of the text is all on Mary, a person of faith and a person of hope. But what do we do with Mary? Protestants, in fact, don't do much with her at all. We generally ignore her. The Reformed and Evangelical and Free Church tradition has had a very difficult time knowing just what to do with Mary. This isn't true for our Roman Catholic and Orthodox brothers and sisters who have held her in high regard for centuries, but we, not so much. In the Middle Ages, Mary approached the status of a deity. It was a way of understanding access to God through the mother to the son, to the father, to the creator. In fact, she almost had a status of a deity, a goddess. So much so that medieval theologians began to speak of the core trinity instead of the trinity. In the Gospel of Luke, however, Mary isn't exalted as a goddess or as a mother 
or even as a woman. Luke understands her in a much more important role, and this is being a model of a person of faith, one that we should emulate. Meister Eckhart, that 13th century German mystic, once asked, what good is it to me if Mary gave birth to the Son of God 1,400 years ago and I do not give birth to the Son of God in my time, in my life, in my culture today? What good is it? Eckhart's question is for us. Mary said yes to God, and that yes not only changed her life, but it changed ours as well. So what are the yeses that you have made in your life that have changed your life forever? Maybe it was yes to a partner. Maybe it was yes to a career, yes to being a parent. Yes to own your sexual orientation. It could be yes to move and uproot your life from one part of the world or the country to another to discover something new following a call. Was it yes to God, to serve, to love, to yes, the yes to being who you are created to be? Mary's yes was an act of revolution. Yes, revolution. As Jan Richardson put it, one yes to the angel, and Mary becomes a revolutionary. The child is hardly noticeable in her womb when she arrives at the home of her kinswoman, Elizabeth. But transformation is written all over her face, and Elizabeth instantly intuits what has happened. She blesses Mary for her hope, for her radical belief that God will fulfill the promise made through Gabriel. Her ears ringing with Elizabeth's blessings, Mary pours forth a song, a cry of hope that echoes the one raised by her foremother Hannah when she gave birth to her son Samuel. The powerful shall be brought down from the thrones, the lowly raised up, the hungry filled with good things, and the rich sent away empty. Her song. The Magnificat, which we sang as we entered this morning, is all about revolution. As Lisa Fulham reminded us at the beginning of Advent, revolution causes us to be uncomfortable, and so it should. Revolution is about the transformative power to bring about, bring about rebellion and upheaval. Revolution is all about what God with us, Emmanuel, is all about. In our text this morning, we meet two women. Women who open themselves to spirit, who open themselves to change, to be revolutionaries themselves, though they didn't know it at that time. And isn't this true of everyone who challenges the status quo? No one wakes up and says, I'm going to be a revolutionary today, generally. First, there's Elizabeth, cousin of Mary, wife of Zechariah, a temple priest in Jerusalem, and mother of John the Baptist. When she greets her pregnant cousin Mary, filled with the Holy Spirit, she exclaimed with a loud cry. Now in Greek, that loud cry means a shout as if someone's using a megaphone. It literally means big or mega voice. So Elizabeth speaks a prophetic word to Mary and to us using her outdoor voice. Then there's Mary, 
cousin of Elizabeth, wife of Joseph, mother of Jesus. Like Elizabeth, Mary is important for us because of what she says, not just because of whose mother she is. Mary's song of praise is itself a song of revolution. The proud have been scattered in the imagination of their hearts. The powerful have been pulled from their seats of power. That means the CEOs and bankers and politicians have been moved out of their uncaring thrones. The oppressed are exalted and the hungry are filled with good things. These are words of transformation. These are words of faith. So what is the most revolutionary thing you have heard, spoken, seen, or heard? For Elizabeth, I'm guessing it was hearing Mary's sung response to her exclamation, her yelling. For William Blake, it was imagining the world order turned on its side, upside down. He likened revolution to imagination, writing that imagination is evidence of the divine. Imagination is evidence of the divine. And imagination is how we grasp God. Imagination is how we change. Imagination is how we participate in revolution. For imagination pulls us back to God. Imagination challenges us to see a third way when people are holding out there's only two ways with one choice. Imagination woos us to justice for all, not just for some. It was imagination that propelled Susan B. Anthony to work tirelessly for women's suffering, suffrage. It was imagination, I would venture to say, that enabled Abraham Lincoln to write the Emancipation Proclamation as he walked the way of, to end the path of slavery. It was imagination that informed Rosa Parks not to give her her seat on that bus in Montgomery, Alabama in 1955, starting the Civil Rights Movement. It is imagination that continues to fan the fire of justice for gender equality. It is imagination that's causing people to fight for racial justice and freedom here in our own country and around the world. This is what Mary's song is about. Mary's song is the fruit, the byproduct, if you will, of the power of her yes. Her yes that changed her, transformed her, and allows her to be a model for us of how it is to live. Imagination is evidence of the divine, is what allows us to see and grasp and begin to understand God's promise of transformation And we, my friends, are called to participate in it. Advent reminds us that it all began with an absurd promise. A virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and you shall call him Jesus. Imagination is the stuff that faith is made of. And faith enables us to trust the irrational, the impossible, the implausible. So what is the most revolutionary thing you have heard, spoken, seen, or imagined? If Advent is about anything, it's the power of looking for the presence of God wherever we are, whatever we're doing. For Advent is the promise 
that the impossible, however improbable, can become possible. And then by our yes, we are able to help reform the world for love. The power of yes. What is the most revolutionary thing you have heard, spoken, seen, or imagined? Have you ever considered it might be you?